Do our muscles automatically get weaker as we age? Is it just a fact of life that will become slow and weak over time? What magical supplements are available that can make us a decade younger? Welcome to the latest episode of the Evidence-Based Catalyst Health and Wellness Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Cooper, and today's guest is Dr. Vita Sonic. She has done some fascinating research on aging muscles and the differences between typical aging adults and master's athletes of the exact same age. The research, the results, they drive home the point you already understand. Movement matters. But sometimes it's nice to pull back the curtain on what's really happening beneath the surface. And that's exactly what we'll do in this episode. If you're a health and wellness coach who likes to plan ahead, you're about to be rewarded. There is currently a super, and we that's like all caps, early registration discount available through the end of the year for next September's Rocky Mountain Coaching Retreat and Symposium in Colorado. It is the only retreat and symposium designed specifically for health and wellness coaches and it's the perfect chance for you to earn NBHWC-approved CEUs while recharging those batteries. And if you work with other coaches, it's a great way to bring your team together for a special time in a very special place. All the details available under the retreat tab at catalystcoachinginstitute.com or reach out to us anytime. Like I always say, email us results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com. We'll set up a time to chat. And if you're not yet a coach, you're not eligible for the retreat, but you can get into our next certification training and that information is on the website as well. Now, let's join the discussion with Dr. Vita Sonyak to find out what does the evidence say about aging and what can we do about it on the latest episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. Glad to have you join us today. Well, good morning, Brad. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, this is going to be fun. Your research looked at the difference between female inactive and octogenarian master's athletes. Talk us through that. How'd you get here? What'd you end up looking at? And what were some of the findings that, that came about as a result? Yeah, so um, we looked at this very old population. So here I talk more about um, people that are 75 years of age or older. Okay. And at this age, right, there is a high diversity between uh, these individuals. So some individuals um, have a greater deterioration of their muscle and are at a greater risk of falls and mobility impairment, right. where others are more resistant and they maintain higher function in advanced age. So, for example, if we picture like a, a group, a group of young soccer player, just to describe this variability between individuals. So this group of soccer players that are young, right? They are really similar in their functional capacity. They they are they have similar speed. They lift similar weight. Mm -hmm. But then if we follow this group throughout age, this small difference, for example, one is faster 10 seconds than the other becomes like way bigger. So mm. the physiological changes the difference become more apparent and apparent more in, in advanced age. So, so, so it's almost like the divergence of the curves. You, you start at the same point and then one is, is, you know, one, 2% difference per year. And over time, the difference between the two is just massive. Exactly. Even huh. though they start, yes, at the same, for example, um, activity level. Mm -hmm. So without age, everything changes. Wow. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and so and then, the, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. keep going, keep going. Yeah. So yeah, with advanced age, then muscle undergoes structural changes and each muscle, so the muscle is composed of muscle fibers. And with age, 
the number of these fibers decreases as well as their size. So they shrink, which we also call atrophy. And when we look at the muscle in old age, there is also a high variability in, in this fiber. So we have very small fibers. We have very big hypertrophic fibers and fibers of different shapes. And we don't see that in younger people. Mm -hmm. And then one of the factors actually that contributes to these um, changes and then also consequently can affect muscle strength and physical performance is the, is the loss of motor neurons. So motor neurons are the neurons that um, are connected with the muscle and lead to its contraction. And is that just a, is that a choice, a lifestyle thing? Is it just inevitable? I mean, obviously part of it is inevitable. You're not going to be as fast at a hundred years old as you are at 30, no matter what you do, but it, did your findings lead us down any paths of this is part of the contributing factor? I would say that um, also from my and other studies, um, it, the muscle just undergoes these, um, so the muscle undergoes this denervation renervation process throughout adult life. And what does that mean is that when we age, our muscle loses the connection with this neuron, but then it's again reconnected. And this happens throughout life. And in very old age, this capacity for reconnecting of the neuron to the muscle is somehow impaired. So the muscle fiber just sits there without telling it anything to contract and it slowly shrinks in size. Yeah, so this generation regeneration happens throughout life. We can't really prevent it. And that's where you looked at the master's athletes. So you're looking at 80-year-old sprinters and, exactly. and other distances and you're saying, wait a minute, these people are such outliers. What's different? Am, am I getting that right? That's correct. So I wanted to actually with my study to address the presence and the degree of this denervation renervation. So the connection between muscle and nerve in this low sedentary, I mean, low functioning sedentary elderly individuals, mm -hmm. and then see what is like contrast my findings with the high functioning masters athletes that exercise throughout their lives. So is there any difference in, in like um, fiber size or this re-innervation capacity just to see what enables them to function so well? Right. So and, my parents are 80, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. They're relatively active. What can people be doing who are listening now at 40, 50, 60 to set up their 80s? To, or, or what can people in their 80s be doing different to set up their 90s or their function throughout their 80s? In, any, did any tidbits come out of your research that guides us down that path? Yeah. So my research did, didn't look, so with my study, I didn't look specifically into that. I mean, it's really hard to, to, to say it because there's a lot that we don't know in this area. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. But what we do in a way know is that with, with exercise, so the number of these motor units, right, in, in the muscle that's composed like the motor neuron and all the muscle that motor neuron innervates, the number of these motor units decreases with age, and it doesn't matter how active you are. What matters is the capacity of reinnervating, so the reconnecting of the myofibers. And what we see with masters athletes is that they still have muscle atrophy, so myofiber atrophy. They still have presence of denervation, but they have a greater capacity 
to re-innervate those denervated fibers and prevent atrophy, so the shrinkage in their size. So exercise, I think it helps to, to keep this capacity for re-innervation, but we cannot outrun the reduction in the number of the motor units. Okay, so it's almost like we have a volume and an intensity, if, if we put it in different phraseology. The volume, meaning the total number, that's, that's going down almost no matter what. Everybody has some genetic number. differences, but exactly. your number of them will decrease. It doesn't matter what you're doing out there, but your intensity in a workout setting or the power that those pack, the ones that are left, can stay yeah. at maybe not quite the same level, but that's where these master's athletes are excelling is they're keeping that, that power in spite of the decreasing number. Am, am I catching that right? Yes, exactly. They are okay. way better. And, and that's also why they retain their muscle mass. But okay. we also need to understand here with master's athletes, right? They are exceptional like individuals, but they still, they cannot outrun aging. Right. So they still show reduction in muscle mass, strength, and physical performance, but at the lower rate than um, like non-master athlete individuals. Right, and, and significantly lower rate. When, we're, when you're comparing yeah. these people that you studied to the typical population, it's, it's not a 5% difference. It's not a 20%. It's a, it's a massive difference, wouldn't you say? Yes, they are. They, 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 it, it, it's amazing, yeah. When it really is. At, at, the, at, at the data, what we actually see, because again, they have atrophy, they have all the signs of, of, of aging, but they retain their physical performance. So they are really exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. One of our most popular podcasts is Joe Friel, who wrote the book Fast After 50. And he's, I think he's in his late 70s now, mid to late 70s. And, and people just love that one because it's, it's the things that you're talking about and how do we how do we limit that? How do we minimize that? So uh, it's it's awesome to have you on here, kind of giving us a peek behind <laughs> what's what's actually happening behind the, the the other side. What what surprised you about what you found in your data? What 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 were you going through and you went, well, huh? I didn't expect to see that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that actually what what we just talked about. So I was really surprised the the rate of uh, myofibro atrophy and even the presence of denervation in master athletes. So we see atrophy at the myocellular level, but at the whole muscle level, they retain mass, right? They, ah. they have significantly higher um, lean mass compared to the sedentary uh, controls and even as young sedentary individuals, and they have way better physical performance. So yes. from this, we actually... Um, like suggest that they retain um, better number of those myofibers. So there is still atrophy, but the number of fibers does not reduce um, to the same degree as with the sedentary um, individuals. Oh, okay. So taking back what I said earlier when I was kind of summarizing, so they actually did keep some of their numbers, total numbers up a little bit. They're still seeing a decrease over time, but, but their numbers were higher in addition my, to their mass being more? Um, myofibers, yes. So okay. with age, right, you, have, you, have, you can lose myofibers and the myofibers, so they, like they, they, they completely atrophy and die. And then you have other myofibers that, that undergo, again, atrophy, so they're smaller. So you have two components. 
You okay. have myofiber atrophy and you have myofiber loss. So, you know, the number of myofibers in the aging muscle is reduced. Okay. Um, and master's athletes, it appears that they retain, I mean, they retain better the number of myofibers than frail elderly. And did you get into what they were doing? Were there any qualitative pieces of this study looking at what is their daily routine? How long have they been lifting weights or doing interval training or, or any of those components? Or, or do you have some hypotheses around those from, from some of your expanded meta-analysis, that kind of thing? Um, so I, um, I didn't look specifically into it, but um, the group, so I only had around seven that mm-hmm. uh, like female masters athletes, mm-hmm. and there was almost half, half, half endurance and half sprinters in that group. And um, most of them, they started exercising in a younger age, but there, I remember there is one that started at the age of 50, hmm. right? So that again tells us, is it really like, when is the right time right. to exercise, to start exercising, to have then positive effects in advanced age? And, um, and then again, other studies also show that even individuals that are 85 years of age and above, they still, their muscles, their uh, response to this exercise, so to mechanical loading, they still increase in muscle strength like compared before. Um, and in, and, this training enables them like to improve their physical function, which I think is the most important thing in advanced age. Um, so a lot of changes might be actually due to lifestyle mm. that are negative, right? With aging. Right. right. Okay. So everybody listen out there. You heard what she said. <laughs> it doesn't matter what, uh, what your current age is now. Today's the time, folks. Let's get going exactly. with this. All right. So your study was specifically about octogenarians. If you were to hypothesize about the differences that are present between highly active and inactive individuals in middle age, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, what would you expect to see? So, yeah, it's really hard to comment on that, right? Because we don't know um, that much yet. And we also don't know if the improved re-innervation is related to genetic environment or like behavioral influences, or a combination of these factors. But again, you don't need to be a master's athlete to athlete to have like um, benefits mm. uh, regarding well exercise. Said. Even like um, recreational um, studies show that even the recre- recreational individuals have better this renervation capacity. But now again, completely hypothetical. Um, perhaps yeah, exercise in the middle age would enable better renervation capacity in the muscle. So um, regular exercise does not preserve motor unit number, as we said before, but may facilitate to successful renovation. And starting, for example, in the middle age may better prime that individual um, for these changes that are more apparent in advanced age. So, you know, you would enter into old age, like more ready. Yeah, a little ahead of the game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so you've done a good job of starting to pull us into the practical side because that with with this whole Catalyst podcast, that's what we love here. What practical elements would you draw from the results in terms of what it means for the average listener with our lives, our activity levels, et cetera, at any age? Yeah, just like starting um, to move, to exercise. And again, it like we don't know how much exercise we need 
and for how long we need to exercise, but any kinds of movement, it's better than nothing. Right. So we are all different, right? And we, we can start at different um, states of exercising. So some individuals that just start, even just standing from a chair or going for a walk is for someone exercise. But of course, you need to build up on that. And I also saw, for example, in, uh, in my young sedentary individuals, that surprised me too, is that their muscle underga- undergone like this um, fiber type remodeling, which is again a sign of this like denervation, reinnervation, which is similar to the old sedentary individuals. So they had similar fiber um, um, remodeling. And this also suggests that muscle disuse in a younger age may um, lead to um, that, so that these individuals that are sedentary may be more predisposed to mobility impairment in advanced age. But then again, the muscle at the younger age is more, it's way more responsive to exercise. So it's never too late just to start like being active. Hmm. Good, good. We hear that all the time, but now we get the science behind it. So other things you're working on now, current studies that you're involved with, things that you're putting proposals in for, where, where are you wanting to take this? What are we going to hear from you in two, three, five, seven years in terms of, are you staying on this topic? Are you looking into some of those details and, and what people can be doing to pop that up a little bit? Um, yeah, so um, I'm still working on some of my uh, data for my PhD. So what I'm looking in right now is to uh, how resistance training in these sedentary elderly women Mm. Um, affects actually their muscle as well as this denervation reinnervation process. And um, what I found was that the, that the muscle that muscle fibers they do uh, increase in size. So we see that resistance training has a positive effect. And this elderly they also improve their physical performance, um, like the overall lean mass, and they also reduce some of their fat mass. But then at the myocellular level, if we look more into this renervation capacity, at the moment, I didn't see any, any significant changes. I did see an increase in the size of fibers that belong to different, that belong to a group. So a group is again a sign of renervation process, but I didn't see an increased number of fibers within that group with exercise. Okay. So were these 80-year-olds again? Is it still in the, the 80, 90 age group? Exactly. Yeah. It yeah, was. It's, Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So these are people that were previously limited activity levels and you started them on a resistance training program. And even in 80-year-olds, you're seeing improvements, not in yes. this, the numbers, but in terms of mass and function, which is frankly the one that they really care about. Is, is that correct? That's correct. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And, and like maybe like even... 12 weeks of resistant training, um, maybe that was not enough for that old muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps if we would have a longer intervention, maybe we would see also like in the re-innervation uh, any um, really, you know, bigger effects. Right. Um, because, right, the muscle of very old individual is also, it has anabolic like resistance to exercise, meaning that they need uh, more of an exercise stimuli to get benefits compared oh. to the young. 
Okay, so let's run down that path because that's an interesting okay. idea. <laughs> uh, and, and again, I understand you may not have done specific research on this. And, and if you want to throw some disclaimers in there about we haven't said this exactly, but I'd just like to get your thoughts on it, kind of where you think it might be going or, or things you'd like to look into. So you have this 80-year-old, moderate to limited activity levels, and you start them. T- tell us first about what is this resistance training? And they're, they're obviously not doing deadlifts and tire pushes. What, what types of things did you have them doing or what were they involved with over that 12 weeks? Okay. So I was, so firstly, I was not like really personally involved in the training okay. because that was, um, it, that's, it, it was, it, it is a huge project. So another, uh, a colleague of mine, um, okay. she was mainly into this exercise and then nutritional intervention. But uh, from when we talked, so from what I know, they were training upper and lower body and they use only those, uh, stationary equipment, you know, when you sit, and yeah. to um, kind of pull with the like, arms exactly almost a, exactly. A, a seated bike with some arm movement type things yeah and even like um squats on the machine okay um so they were like various um um these strength exercises and then they improved i mean if they were able at the defined weight i think it was like 60 or 80 percent of one um repetition maximum okay and once they were able to do the right 12 times so um the repetition in, exactly in really good form right they increase the load okay so i like hearing this because we're not just talking about because a lot of times folks that work with older individuals or when they get started late they're like well you know i should get on the exercise bike and i should ride for 20 minutes and then i'll be done and you're saying in this study they were sitting there and they were doing the squat machine they were doing they were completely safe very protected setting yeah. But they were doing the squat machine. They were doing the working the large muscle mass areas. Is that is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that's I great mean, to hear. Yeah, but again, right? With very older people, they're also afraid of falling and right. injuring. Right. So you need to assess it. What is their initial fitness level? Is it like safe to actually go directly to the machines? Should you first improve their balance and flexibility right. and make all the joints stronger? And perhaps after that, you, you, you know, you, you just build on that. Right. And right. these older, they, they actually enjoy doing the exercises. Mm. Love that. Love that. All right. Let's talk about just two questions left. Let's talk briefly about the <laughs> master's athletes. What, as you were working with these master's athletes, I just want to get your opinion on this one. What makes them different because they're so different physiologically based on the choices and the decisions and the the lifestyle. But did did you, did you get anything out of their heads and why were they doing this and what drove them on a daily basis? That's, that's just kind of intriguing stuff. And since you interacted with the the seven people for this, I'm just curious what you picked up that was encouraging to you. Uh, Yeah. So unfortunately I didn't really directly interact with them because that was, yeah, I know. (laughs) I know I'm also a bit bummed about it because that this data was collected before I actually started my PhD. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. But yeah, I mean, they are exceptional. So perhaps, I mean, they might even have optimal like genetic backgrounds, focused attitude toward training, performing, and also access to trainers. And I think, yeah, exercise is important, but also like the nutrition that we, um, like the food that we eat, mm-hmm. it's also very important to get the benefits from the exercise that we do, especially in advanced age, right? Because right. we know that older people, they don't consume enough um, proteins or right. nutrients. Right. So when we start 
with the exercise regime, we also need to optimize that, you know, to get the, the, the optimal benefits. Right. And for you, you're not 80. What, no. <laughs> what did this study do to you and your perspective and what you're doing with your life and the plans you're making? Did it, did it have an influence? Um, I was, it just somehow confirmed for me what I've been doing since a very young age. So I'm quite active. So I, I have been competitively involved in, in swimming and even, um, after, um, like I end, ended my swim career, I still, you know, went to the gym. I did different classes. I did a bit of CrossFit. Um, I bike. So it's, I, I don't know. It's just a way of life for me just mm-hmm. to stay active. And it's not even like feeling stronger. It also helps me to better focus. It makes me happy. So I think besides like the whole exercise it's um yes it makes you fit but there are also other um factors that exercise uh, improves like mood and it pushes you also in a way to be more socialized especially if you take Mm. group classes right good so last question and this is taking your research hat off and just saying from your experience your research your interaction what you've read in the literature any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with with anyone that's trying to improve their health, their wellness, or their performance overall? Yeah, so I would definitely say it's never too late to start exercising and make any health changes. But yeah, it is important for people to take their hand, their health into their own hands because no one else will, will do that for them. Right, perfect. Dr. Sonia, really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It was, uh, it was really nice. In the world of health, wellness, and performance, it's obviously very common to just read the headlines and ignore the details. That's why we were so excited to have Dr. Sonic join us. Of course, we know activity and resistance training make a difference, but do you know why? Now we do. And it sounds like there's some intriguing research that will continue to build on this in the future. Thanks for tapping into the number one podcast for health and wellness coaching. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with others. We don't do any advertising, so we are so grateful when we hear that people are passing it along. Next week's episode is one we've been working on for over two years. It's an interview with one of the winningest coaches in professional sports, and we'll be digging into the psychology of coaching when you're coaching the best of the best. Now it's time to be a catalyst, bringing better than yesterday to our clients, friends, community, and our world. As we heard today, sometimes... That literally takes place one step, one repetition at a time. This is Dr. Bradford Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute. Make it a great rest of your week. And I'll speak with you soon on the next episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast, or maybe over on the YouTube Coaching Channel.